You're listening to a message from Impact Student Ministry, a middle and high school-oriented production of The Summit Church. Hey, hey, how's everybody? Good to see you, yes! Oh, it is awesome to see you. Who's excited about Christmas? Yeah, it'd be great. Can I come down here with you guys tonight? I like it better down here. You're closer. Yeah, yeah. Wow, there's lots of you. It's so good to see you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, we're gonna do. We're gonna kick it off in true Christmas style. Is that all right? Uh, I need. Can somebody help me? Somebody. I need a. You'll help. Thanks. Here. Hold them for just a second. I don't have a a way. We're gonna start with some Christmas stories. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Let me. Let's start with this one. Okay. All right. What? Ready for Christmas stories? Isn't this how we're supposed to start Christmas season with Christmas stories? How many of you, uh, this is uh, the Cap Christmas story, all right? Anybody, uh, anybody grow up listening, reading this one? How many? Good. Got some hands in the room. This one is pretty interesting. This is supposed to be about baby Jesus, but it's uh, some very, very, very white people on there, and I don't... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he wasn't. Hope that I don't offend anybody, but he wasn't. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh yeah, this is a great one. Uh, story of Hanukkah. How many of you? Ever, how many of you read this? Anybody got a family tradition? Have you got family who read this story? Yes. Yeah. Anybody light menorah the other night? All right. Very cool. Very cool. This is a really good one. This is about the. Uh, you, you need to start over reading Christmas stories because some of you have missed out. This is about the Maccabeans. They're really good. All right, let's see. Um, yeah, this is a classic right here. What about this one? Rudolph. Who, how many of you? Yeah. Who grew up lit reading Rudolph? Isn't this good? Okay. Do you, have, do you have some favorites? All right, wait a minute. I got another one. Oh, this one right here. This is good right here, right? Twas the night before Christmas. All right, let me ask you a question. How many of you have a dad, grandfather, grandmother, something like that, that every Christmas they read this story at some point during the time frame? Oh, yeah, this is good stuff. All right. All right, this one right here. Oh, this is one of my favorites. One of my favorites. How many of you have a Charlie Brown Christmas every year? Yeah. This is worth watching and reading at the same time. So this is uh, the great Charlie Brown Christmas. Good one. All right, and then, yes. Now this is very, very special. This is Dixie's book. This is how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So last year, my little girl, Dixie, here's what she agreed to do. She said, if we buy this for her, and, and, and I love the cover, but if you buy this for me, she said, every Christmas she will read it to us. So she read it last Christmas. The other day she read it again. She's promised to read it again before the end of Christmas. Will you hold those? Thank you. Hey, you're an awesome helper. All right. So these are fun. So what's some of your favorite I didn't mention? Anybody else have a book that y'all read that I didn't mention? You have one? A different one? All right. Let me ask you this question. Why do we do it? Why do we reread the same old stories that we've heard all the time? That's right. It's classic. It's a tradition. These are the words that I constantly hear. It's classic. It's a tradition. But why do we do it? There has to be a deeper reason, right? 
All right, wait a minute. Before you answer, let me ask you this one. How many of you have a special movie that you watch every Christmas season? All right, let's hear Let me hear some of them. Grinch, yeah, okay. Christmas Vacation, good. Christmas Story, yeah, that's good, good. All right. All right, so let me tell you about, uh, let me tell you about my buddy Thomas. Polar Express, it's a good one. Hey, when I went to, uh, when I was in college, I worked at a uh, tire shop. And my buddy Thomas, I worked with him, he's a good guy, this is in Tennessee. And Thomas, he said that every Thanksgiving after the Thanksgiving meal, him and his dad would sit in the living room and they would watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And that was the official start for him for the Christmas season. Watching Cousin Eddie, Clark, and all of them. He said that's how they started it every single year. All right. So, uh, and, and we did, uh, we kind of kicked off Thanksgiving the other day with doing this. So check out that. There we go. That's watching the new Grinch. How many of you have seen the new Grinch? Yeah. Isn't it good? Yeah. So this is me and Cash and Dixie. We're up there watching the new Grinch. So we decided to kick off Thanksgiving with going to the movies, watching the Grinch, and celebrating a little green mean person. It was really, really fun. Really fun. Uh, so from my childhood, let me tell you two uh, movies I loved. One was called A Christmas Carol. My friend Todd says it's the most depressing movie he's ever seen in his life. <clears throat> there's, there's multiple, and here's the funny thing. You notice this about Christmas stuff? They keep remaking it with different people. It's kind of an odd thing, right? So my, uh, so my favorite version of A Christmas Story is the one that has a guy named George C. Scott. It's an old one, and, and it's really cool. So that's, a, that's one I grew up watching, and I loved it. Loved that story. The second I didn't discover until I was about uh, 16, 17 years old. My stepmom come home uh, back in the 90s, as you do. And she was so excited, she had found a VHS tape, because that's how we watched it, a VHS tape of something called It's a Wonderful Life, and she was so excited about this one. And, and the reason she was so excited is she said, this is a colorized version. So immediately, you know what I'm thinking. The movie is so old that they made it in black and white, and then somebody went in and crayoned this thing back up to, to a modern thing. But she was so excited about it. And I said, here's what I said to her. I said, my, my stepmom's name is Tammy. I said, what is that movie? I've never heard of it. Oh, well, she was irate. She said, you should know this. This is the, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. So I had to sit down, and I watched it. Now, here's the truth of it. After I finished watching the colorized version, not the black and white, after I finished watching the colorized version of this, hardly a Christmas went by that I didn't watch it because it was that good. It was that good. Now, why it became popular is pretty interesting. It came out in the 40s. It was a flop. It had a guy named Jimmy Stewart, which is a pretty, pretty big name actor back then. But it was an absolute flop. Nobody watched it. It got horrible reviews. And most movies, when they were created, they, they have a patent for about 28 years. And 28 years passed, and they just decided the movie was so bad, or they forgot and it just didn't get renewed. A form, a few bucks, you could have got the copyright renewed, and they decided not to, or they forgot to. I don't think anybody wants to admit what happened. So it goes out into public domain, so anybody can use it. All of the major networks back then, they wanted some cheap content to run that they didn't have to pay royalties on. Well, this was a prime candidate. So in the mid-'70s, they started replaying this thing almost continuously across three networks. 
and America fell in love with a movie that everybody hated 30 years earlier. It, it, had, a, it had kind of a, a, a re-life. It, got, it, 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 was, it, it was told once 30 years ago, and then it got told again, and people really just, they dived into it. And it become one of the greatest movies. And if you've never seen it, anybody not ever seen this movie? Okay, hey, look, just, hey, I'm just throwing it out there. Give it a shot. Give it a shot at some good stuff. It's some good stuff. Maybe this is the season for you to watch it for the first time. And some of you, we're all going to rewatch it, right? Because we watch it every year. But this, is, uh, this, is, this brings me back to an idea of why do we do this? Why do we rewatch movies? Why do we re-sing the same Christmas songs every year? Why do we retell the same stories out of the same old books that we do every year? Why do we do this every single time? Well, I think the Grinch had a line for it. Um, do we have a line from the Grinch? Yeah. So, so hang on to this. Do you remember in the Grinch when he had gathered all the toys on the sleigh? Little Max had, had toted that thing up Mount Crumpet, and he's up at the very top, and he's about to throw it over the edge, and he says, you know what? I'm just going to wait just a minute because I want to hear all of those who's down in Whoville come out and begin to cry and boo-hoo. He said, I'm, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to enjoy this. But what happened was the complete opposite. And he says this, and it stuck with me. And he puzzled three hours until his puzzler was sore. And then he thought of something he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. People like me who get up and teach the Bible every Christmas season, we're expected to get up and teach you the story about Jesus being born and put in a manger and all this kind of stuff. And I have told the story so many times that I thought, oh no, please, not again. But I have to tell it again. It's like a, it's like a Christmas movie that reruns that we just keep retelling. But there's a phrase, maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. So I re-looked at the stories of Jesus, his birth. And I discovered this. Maybe perhaps the birth of Jesus means a little bit more. So here's what I want to do for you tonight. There's two stories, two little stories, and I want to pull them out of the Bible, and I want to talk to you about two different things, one in, one in, this, uh, one in the writings of Matthew and one in the writings of Luke, and I want to pull them out, and I want you to see the birth of Jesus just from a little bit different of an angle. I want to retell you the story, and, and it'll matter in a little bit, but just let me, let me retell it to you just, just a little bit, okay? We're going to start here, all right? This is in Matthew 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. This is how Matthew begins. Now, <clears throat> how, many of you, uh, how many of you read, the, read your Bible from time to time? You open up, you kind of read something out of it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> These are the verses right here that make people never read their Bible again. You, you open it up to that and you're going, oh no. And then there's a whole list of Hebrew names that nobody could pronounce. And you're going, why did I even, what, what's the point? So let me point out something here in that little thing. Back it up one more. Let's go back to the, to the Matthew one. Why would Matthew, out of all people, pick David 
to reference. These are, these are Hebrew, Jewish people, Israelites. They have people in their history like Joseph, Moses. They have some incredible people. Solomon, the richest man that had ever lived. Incredible people in their history. Why in the world did Matthew pick that guy and start it out with a guy named David? Well, it, it begins with the word peace. The word peace is in the uh, Jewish uh, Old Testament scriptures 326 times, in the New Testament 100 times. And, and, and if you go, well, how do we get from Christmas stories to the Grinch to David to peace? I don't understand it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. These people are probably the most persecuted, hated people that I have ever studied that have lasted for so long these Jewish, Israelite, Hebrew people. They started out with a guy named Abraham who said they're going to be great. Next thing you know, they're in, they're in Egypt. They're enslaved. They're actually slaves in a different country. And they stay there for so long until they finally get out. And then they're kind of bumbling around, not really doing that well. And then they get this guy. David is king. And when David becomes their king, they're at peace. And then his son kind of botches it and blows it all up. His son Solomon goes and says, I'm going to build a temple to our great God. And he goes to Egypt and he buys slaves and builds the temple of God with slaves. They were slaves. They had lost their way so much that now they're building the temple with slaves. They wind up in Babylon and, 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 and they're out of their country for years. These people, for hundreds of years have been hated, mistreated, exploited, taken advantage of in every way possible. So when Matthew starts this with, hey, Jesus was born the son of David. There was this deep sigh of relief. And, and, and listen, for you and I, we, we got to be honest here. We're Americans. We live in the country with the largest super military power that, is, that the world has ever known. We, that's where we live. We don't understand what it's like not to have peace. These people did. And when they showed up and said, Jesus is coming, and he's here, and he's the Messiah, he's a descendant of David, all those people could think about is, yes, the only time that we were at peace was then. Then there was this story. Here's the second one. And it's in Luke. An angel shows up to Mary and says this. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you have found favor with God. Which sounds really good. That's not that, bad of a, that's not that boring of a scripture. But here's the deal. First century, women were property. You didn't matter. Your whole purpose was to marry some guy that your parents said you were supposed to marry so that you could have kids for him, for his lineage, and you didn't matter. In fact, it was so bad that at age 13 and 14 years old, most girls were married to somebody in their early 20s that their parents had arranged. Right? You know, throw up in your mouth just a little bit right there, right? And to top it all off, the only people who ever heard from God were men. And for 400 years, God hadn't spoken to anyone. And then the silence is broken 
with a message from God to a woman. You're highly favored. This is the next thing that, he, that, the, that the angel tells her. Hey, you're going to conceive and give birth to a child. This right here would freak her out. Because if you had a child and you weren't married, the husband, most of the time, who you were going to marry, would get up and publicly shame you. Your family would disown you. And by disown you, I don't mean that you weren't invited to Thanksgiving again. That, mean, that meant if you were dying on the side of the street, they wouldn't stop. They would keep walking. And, he, and this angel says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she says, wait a minute, I'm not even married. You're going to have a baby. The fear that could set in right here. And look at the, look at the language that he used. He will be very great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And there they're reaching back into that David thing saying, this is what's about to happen. And it's going to be great. And Mary, as a 13 and 14 year old girl, is hearing this message. And I want you to notice how this brave, confident, powerful, strong woman responded. Check it out. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you say come true. Can you imagine? Can you imagine running risk of being alienated from your family forever? Running the risk of you couldn't get a job because you were a piece of property. No one would ever hire you. What typically happened is they would wind up selling themselves into slavery or become a prostitute because that's all they would be able to do in the first century. But she had hope. She had hope. That this was going to change her people in her world. Now, which leads me to you. All of that leads me to you. All of that leads me to who you are. Because you are a bold, incredible, powerful, strong, amazing human being who lives on this earth. And I believe that you, you matter. I believe that you perhaps are a whole lot more. These stories that we keep talking about and we keep retelling from, from generation to generation, from year to year, we keep retelling these same old stories, these same old Christmas stories, the same old stuff, and then you have to relive your Christmas every single year. And for some of you, listen, <clears throat> you can be honest. I imagine, it's probably isn't for everybody, but I bet some of you are absolute, absolutely dreading Christmas break. You don't get to go to school. You don't get to hide. You have to deal with your parents. You have to, deal, you have to go over to, 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 to your uncle's house, right? You're going to have to go see grandma and grandpa. You're going to hear them people fight again. You're going to see some things that you're like, I, I could live the rest of my life and not have to deal with. For some of you, Christmas break, getting a bunch of joyous, happy things. Some of it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that just scares you to your core. And here's what I want for you to consider. What if you retold your story? We do it every Christmas with every other story. Why don't you retell your story? Why don't you take over your story? Quit handing over the keyboard to somebody else and letting them type the pages of your life. Quit handing over the paper and the pen to somebody else. And what if you took over? And this season, you began to retell your story in a way because you have a better story than many of you are telling. 
You have a better story than many of you are telling. And we've handed it off and we've lived in the shadows and we've sat on the edges. What if you retold your story this season? Take a cue from our own culture. Who's going to bombard you with Christmas movies and music and same old stories over and over and over and over again? And retell a better story of you. Because we, in this world, would love to read it. We would love to see it. We would love to hear it. Because you are a brave, incredible, amazing human being that God has on this earth. You are created in the image of the divine. God himself came down and gave his life for you. You are wonderful. Why not retell your story and quit letting them do it for you? Because we, we would love to hear it. A couple weeks ago, we were at Thanksgiving with my wife's family. And we'd get, we're staying at a hotel, and we'd go to the hotel each evening. And, and it was Thanksgiving time, so they were playing Christmas movies on TV. And so we'd gather around the hotel, and we'd watch some Christmas movies. <clears throat> and about uh, my, little, my little boy's 10, and my little girl is 8. And so my little girl has incredible questions, most of which I can't answer. But she has some great questions. And she, and she, pulls, a, she pulls a question that, that just is hard. She goes, um, she was sitting on the other bed. I'm sitting on this bed. And Cash is sitting up there. Um, he's up at the little desk in the, in the hotel room. And he goes, she goes, does, uh, does Santa bring God gifts? And so I did what any parent would do. I, would, I said, uh, come over here and sit with me. And, 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 and what did you say again? Act like I didn't hear her because it's a hard question to answer. She comes over there and plops down beside of me. And so the whole time she's coming over, I'm contemplating. You know, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And, of course, I've got, um, you know, the two really good answers. First one, which is the go-to, ask your mom. Ask your mom, you know. That's the number one go-to question for when you have kids someday. Ask your mom. Uh, the second one is I don't know. This is it. I don't know. I have a clue. I have no idea. So she's sitting there, and she asks me the question again. And I'm about to reach in the pocket and give out the old trusty. I don't have a clue. And then Cash over on the other side, he goes, he answers it. He goes, yeah, he does. Yeah, Santa brings presents to God. It was a better answer than I had. So I said, there you go. But he didn't stop there. He actually, like, explained why. He goes, the other day, and, and a couple years ago, we got him this uh, action Bible. Have you ever seen the action Bible? It looks, like a, it looks like a comic book from the story. It's pretty cool. Anyway, if you ever find it, you'll, you'll, it's neat. So he goes, hey, the other day I was reading in the action Bible, and it said this. It said that um, whenever you give something, Jesus said it's like you're giving it to him. And so he tells Dixie, so that means when Santa gives you gifts, it's just like giving it to Jesus. That's retelling a story. That's what you can do. So this season, may you grab a fresh, a fresh stack of paper and a new pen. And you start writing your story. Retell it. 
may you reach over and grab the keyboard and pull it up close and start typing again. May you retell your story in such a way that that's the one we want to talk about every year. Because you have an incredible story. You are an incredible human being. You matter. This world needs you. And we need to hear who you are. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to get more information on Impact Student Ministry or The Summit Church, visit us online at thesummitchurch.net.